Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of Tifosi Football Radio. My name is Christian Baudenzi-Dittacchio. And this is Giuliano Caleri. And it is Thursday, April the 15th. Once again, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, we got a packed edition of this podcast to talk about a lot of things for you. Uh, we got a recap match day 30 in the City A for you. We got a recap the quarterfinals. It's all set and done for the Champions League. Semifinals are now set. Uh, we'll talk quickly about the Europa League as we're... Here recording, Roma holding the fort down against Ajax. So we'll be talking about the Europa League as these games go on. And Toronto FC, surprising win in the round of 16 in the for the CONCACAF Champions League, taking out uh, Club de Leon. We will talk about that. And uh, it's opening weekend for Major League Soccer. Toronto FC and Club de Foot Montreal playing each other in one, the probably the fiercest Canadian derby we have in the history of uh, soccer of Canadian soccer and uh, Vancouver Whitecaps also playing the Portland Timbers. So we got a lot to talk about guys. So let's jump right in. Let's get started. Here we go. Spezia Calcio, Crotone, recapping Serie A and starting with this game. Giuliano, what do you think about this game? This was an exciting game actually. It was. Crotone did it again. Blowing a lead, not being able to fulfill a full 90 minutes of good football. Yeah. They play in sp- in uh, in spurts. They play in... Yeah, spurts. Spurts, yeah. Okay, spurts. They play in spurts. They can't play for 90 minutes. Yeah. They play in like a 15-minute segment, a 20-minute segment. And then they go concede. Two goals in three minutes in the last three minutes of the game. So Sergio Cosme at the end of the game, if anyone was watching it, was very aggravated and upset and couldn't believe before his eyes that they blew this lead especially after some of the goals they even scored like Kofi Gigi scored a beautiful goal Simi too just a nice tidy finish and then it all just fell apart this basically sums up the season for Crotone they just no luck they have no luck doing everything they can throwing everything at at any team they play and they fall short Yet again, that's the story for this Crotone team. Uh, if you're a Crotone fan, you must be su- you. This must be one of the worst seasons for you to endure. It's it's nothing but suffering. But I think the way Crotone plays, they shows uh, under Sterse Cosmi, they can compete in the Serie A. I think if they can keep this team together, I think Simeon Junior Messias, as we said in the previous podcast, are probably out the door onto bigger better things, but if they can keep the core of this team together, I expect we'll see them back in City right away. It'll probably be a, a bounce back season. Um, but that's if they keep Sersikosmi now, right? Because he's literally just in a caretaker role. Yeah, it's true. I mean, the pieces are there. Offensively, this is a great team. Yeah. For me, the biggest question marks are in the goalkeeping position. Yeah, Corda- Alex Cordaz, they, they got to move on from this guy. They do. Daniele Verde scoring in back-to-back weekends now. His goal, it wasn't even in the corner. It wasn't even... It was no. a powerful shot, but it was it went right between the goalie's hands. Yeah. Should have done better, Cordaz. Alex yeah. Cordaz is not a Serie caliber goalkeeper. No, he's not. And that's why Crotone is going to be going back down again with him yeah. between the sticks. Because all the pieces are there for this team. It's just... Every time you can see the shot, it seems like it goes in. Yeah. But great win for Spezia. Great comeback win. And are really doing well in cementing their status in the Serie A for next season. Yeah, definitely. Some don't want to just talk about the you know negatives in this game, but to look at some of the pod- positives with Spezia, Eric the Croatian was outstanding. Maggiore, outstanding as well. Yeah. Giulio, he played for the under-21 Italian national team. And uh, like we already mentioned, Daniele Verde. Yeah, on a nice and Provadel back in yeah. between the sticks too. Yes. In, so uh, what's going results. on there? I well, they got a goalkeeping battle in now, that's for sure. Yeah, I think so. Between Zot and Provadel. Uh, if I'm Spezia, I'd probably look at selling Zot. Can't keep both it's a of them. Tough call. No, someone. Yeah, you got to choose one of them. I think Provadel. Probably the cheaper option. Cheaper option has a bigger upside. Yeah. So it's on his way down, right? He's he's over the hill, past his prime. So I think it's time to move on in the future with Provadel. Get some money for Zoet. Get yourself a, a backup goalkeeper that's got a bright future maybe. 
and uh, move on from there. But uh, Spezia, 3-2 victors, three points for Spezia. Let's talk about this Milan-Parma game. I think Milan basically just ensured Parma's Serie B status for next year. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't see any way out for them anymore. No, this would have... And they didn't... And once again, Parma did not play bad. No. That's the thing. They did not play bad. Just uh, they had a bad start to the game with the, that beautiful Rebic strike. Yeah. Nice assist from uh, Zlatan. Zlatan then picking up the red after the second goal for supposedly calling the ref a bastard. It was a misunderstanding. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but Parma... Oh, Zlatan. Playing good again. I know. Graziano Pelle, probably the best player on the pitch yeah, for them. he was. Chipped it on the on Gagliolo's goal there yeah. for Parma. and His hold-up play with Cornelius, it was outstanding. Both of them using their strength, yeah. bringing in the midfield into play. Gagliolo getting involved. The wing-backs were getting involved. Everything was just clicking for Parma on this day, but... It's the same thing as Crotone. It's the goalkeeper. It's it's, and we gave this guy a lot of praise at the start of the season, Luigi Seppe, and he's he's probably having his worst season yet. He definitely is. He's not having a good season. It's it's got to be hard for the coach Roberto De Versa seeing this because I yeah, guess not playing bad, but cannot for the life of them pick up a win. No, can't pick up anything. And, and when you concede in the eight, you know the eighth minute, you're already yeah. starting one 0 down that fast. It's not so, good. so if you're Parma management, you know there's an. I know we. I know we've talked quite a bit already about goalkeepers, but Luigi Seppe, he's been a very solid goalkeeper for this Parma team. Aside from this season, do you give this guy another chance and roll with him in Serie B, or do you say, you know what, it's t- it's time to part ways? I'd hang on to him. I think I'd give him another chance, especially if you're going to go into Serie B. I think he should be good enough for that level. Yeah, he's uh, he's a Serie A caliber goalkeeper. So there's no reason why not. But, you know, there are people out there that are saying, you know, it's time to get rid of Sepe. Yeah, at the end of the day, he still has to play good. There's a lot of good talent in that in City A. Yeah. So he does have his work cut out for him. There's definitely replacements there. If he doesn't want to pick up his game, then, yeah, either be a backup or you go down to City A B. And I know this is – he's only been in four or five games back, but – does Graziano Pelle have another season left in him? And is it going to be in Serie A or do you think he's going to stick with Parma? Because he's only on a six-month contract with them and he would get an extension if they stayed in Serie A. I thought he was going to be done, honestly, coming in. But seeing the way he's played as a target man, which you don't you don't get a lot of that these days uh, with the types of strikers that are yeah. that are in the game. He's yeah. a, He reminds me of Olivier Giroud in his style of play. Uh, I honestly would love to see him at one of the big teams. See how he would one more run, one more one run. more run, one more year. I think I think he could do a job at say a Napoli. I think a Napoli'd be outstanding. Yeah, Roma maybe they don't. He'd be good there, but you'd want him starting. But at the yeah. same time, you have about a Mayoral and some other young strikers exactly. being like this. So I don't think he's a good fit at Roma, but he wouldn't be a good fit at Inter. He wouldn't be a good fit at Milan, Juve, no. I yeah. think like Napoli for me would be the place for that guy to go. Yeah, and he is a Southern Italian as well. Absolutely. So well, Lecce are coming up. Yeah, maybe. And Lecce. he is from Lecce. Maybe, yeah, maybe he goes to Lecce. But I would love to. That see That would him. be a w- great way to cap off your career. For yeah, it would with be. your hometown Definitely club. But I would love to see him playing some. Uh, for one of the big teams, I would. Yeah, I think no. he can definitely do a job. Definitely. He he surprised me so much with the way he's been playing since he's came back. Well, a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, he's too old, he's over the hill, who cares, he's just a flash in the pan kind of thing. Need I remind you, just a few years ago, there was a couple Cainoniere on Hellas Verona who was an old man over the hill, and he goes by the name of Luca Toni. In the news recently, too. Yes, in the news for his comments on Cristiano Ronaldo, which I'm sure we'll talk about when we get to that. But do you, is there anything you got to say about this Milan team? Is it just more of the same? No, they did a, they did a good job. I mean... They're getting healthy again. Pretty routine win for them. Donnarumma playing outstanding. Outside of that, there really wasn't any standout performers. I would say Every, everyone was pretty average, but it was a good it was a good team performance. Solid defense, good midfield play. Strikers a little bit underwhelming. That time's been underwhelming to be honest. Since yeah, he's, he's uh, kind of fallen yeah, off the map. Here. Yeah, his goal scoring. I think it's been nine games or something like that. He hasn't yeah. scored a goal, so it's been a long time. 
that's uh, that's their biggest weakness right now is scoring goals in Milan. I, although they scored three, but I sorry, not scoring goals. Maybe more so getting a nice fluid attack. Yeah, going. I think that's their biggest weakness right now. They Absolutely. got the goalie, they got the defense, midfield. It's just something's missing up top, and Zatan's not doing his job the way he probably should be. No, no, definitely not as of right now. I really don't got much to say about Milan here. It was a routine win for them. I mean, they're not going to catch Inter, unfortunately. It's not that the race is over. and uh, But slowly cementing their status for, for Champions League next year. So you know what? As much as I've given Milan flack and all their fans for the whole season, they deserve to be where they are. And uh, it would be nice to see the Diavoli back in, uh, in the Champions League next year. So. Do you think they do a good job? Representative Italia. Well, Serie let's see. Let's see what they. Uh, let's see what they. Um, what they do in the off season. They obviously have some pieces that they need to. Uh, that they need to fill. They have gaps that they need to fill. They have some pieces that they need to bring in, and uh, it's it's a wait and see thing. But the thing is, if they qualify for Champions League, you're going to attract more players to your club because if you have European football. That's what's going to happen. And they're being linked heavily with someone that has never played European football that is looking to play for European football, who we're going to talk about in the next game. So yes. let's move on to the next game. And, guys, I'm talking about Andrea Bellotti. <laughs> so, yes, Torino... Being linked with a few teams. Yeah. yeah. Um, Andrea Bellotti is uh, being linked with uh, a move away from Torino. Uh, but let's not talk about that right now. Let's talk about this Torino team escaping a crucial game with three points with a Balotti special, Balotti penalty. <laughs> it was. It was. Um, he, he is the best in the league at winning a foul. Seriously. He is the best. He yeah. is the most foul player, I think, in Europe. Well, you, listen, I think it's perfect. It's so fitting for him. If, you, if, you're the, <laughs> if you're so talented at winning a penalty, you might as well go to the team in Europe that's got the highest given penalties in AC Milan. I think it's perfect. Between him and Frank Kessie, they'll get a penalty every game. Who takes it, though? Uh, that's, see, that's going to be interesting. But uh, Torino, huge three points for them. Yes. Huge three points. It's one foot in more in the door for City A for them. And it's one more foot out the door for both Cagliari and Parma here. So yeah, Torino, they did what they had to do. Yeah, they just did it. This pits, yeah, this pits Cagliari and Parma in, in a terrible position. Torino is the closest team to that next relegation spot. And this is another clutch performance by uh, Nicola's team here. Yeah. Uh, a huge shout-out to my man of the match, arguably the best player in, and the reason... Torino kept a clean sheet in Vanya Milinkovic Savic. I was just going to bring outstanding up. performance. So now, do you run with Sidigu in the next game, or do you run with Vanya? Vanya is the man. Yeah, you bring him in. He's a great goalkeeper. A lot of upside. Huge. I think he's six seven, six eight. Yeah, guy's a monster. He's a monster. He's a monster. Also, interesting tactic. Usually, he's been underwhelming in his career. Uh, so far, he's in the prime of his career right now, and I am talking about Verdi, Simone Verdi. Yeah. Usually, you think of him; he's a attacking midfielder, kind of winger position. This time, he was dropped right into the center midfield position, alongside Mandragora, who does more of the defensive work, and Icon is yep. more of the the uh, guy that circulates the ball. Verdi was the creative spark, and he did excellent. I thought, I thought he did a good job and uh, linked up play really good for Torino. As well, again, outstanding performance. It's just a matter of time. I think at the end of the season, this guy's gone. DePaul, he's got to yeah. go to big team. This guy, he is. he's too good for Udine right now. He definitely is. Udine is going to lose a lot of pieces. Juan Musso's already out the door. Rodrigo DePaul's out the door. Um, Kevin Bonifacio, I wouldn't be surprised if he finds another team. I believe he is Torino-owned, so he might go back to Torino. Yeah, this Udinese's team is going to be picked apart. So, bottom line... Torino win this game one nothing and are slowly cementing their stay in Serie A. And they got a favor in the next game by Inter Milan, who are well on their way to a Scudetto and breaking the Juve dominance. Uh, so Inter, uh, another snooze of a game, <laughs> winning one nothing, winning ugly. Matteo Darmian, the hero this time, with the 
the difference in this game against Kaderi in the 77th minute. So I, I think it's more of the same from Conte and his guys. They're just they're just working and collecting points. That's really what they're doing, right? Yeah, that's it. Eriksen was slotted back into the team alongside Senzi and Brozovic, so a very offensive, ball-controlling type midfield. Uh, they did good. Eriksen was outstanding. Darmian was the goal scorer. He slotted yeah. in in the right-back position. He started but ended up scoring the goal from the left side once Hakimi was brought in. Yeah. Listen, this team has so much depth now. Conte has teams beat before they even step on the field. That's what it is. And it doesn't matter who you slot in. They don't miss a beat. No. And I got to give credit to Divrai as well. Skrinar, these two are proving why they're arguably the two best defenders in Serie A. Don't get the credit because they don't do a lot of the flashy things the modern-day you know center backs do. Like Delict, he gets credit for his passing and his presence on the field. Divrai is more quiet, reserved, just does a nice, quiet job. But he's effective. He played amazing, Divrai. He made amazing. So I would love to see uh, this form continue from Divrai and Skrinar. And Inter, I mean, yeah, they're on their way to winning the Scudetto. This will break up the nine-year dominance that Juve yeah. has set. Uh, now they just got eight games to go. Eleven. What's the uh, point difference here? Eleven points. Eleven so, points. like we said before, they got to drop at least four of those games. Four of those games, and Milan's got to win four. Like, yeah. So, Inter have to drop fifty percent of their matches left. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. Shouldn't happen. It's gonna be a tough finish to the season for them. Yeah, they got some tough games ahead in the schedule, but they should be they should be fine. They should be fine. They, they should have should done be. enough. They should but be, but still a long way to go. Yeah. So, but the big thing on the other side with Cagliari, Guglielmo Vicario in yes. goal for Cagliari. What a game! Big reason why the game stayed at one 0 He made yeah. some massive saves. Here we go, another young Italian goalie. Yeah. Who knows if it was just a one time you know performance, but still. Still, it was outstanding. I mean, if they unload Cranio, this is the new guy coming. Well, no, especially if they get relegated. They're going to get relegated now at this point. You're not going to hang on to a goalkeeper like Cranio. So now's the time to go with Guglielmo Vicario, run with him in Serie B, try and get back into Serie A and run with him. So, other than that, there's really not much on this Cagliari team that impresses me. These guys belong in Serie B. They do. This is the Inter B team, right? If you think about it, Godin. Nangalan, Duncan, uh, Quadro Azamoa was there. I think at four, yeah, four Inter players on yeah. at once. I yeah. was laughing when I kind of saw those names uh, yeah. in the final minutes. But, yeah, another another workmanlike performance by Inter, another three points. Yeah, that's the thing. They're not flashy. They just go in, three points, see you later. Job done, next game. That's it. Let's move on to the next game. Napoli, 2 nothing victors over Sampdoria. Napoli really pushing for that top four status there. Really pushing for Champions League football. Um, are on quite a run. And you just can't help but wonder. If they don't drop that game against Juventus. Shame. Where Shame. where would they be, right? Like They'd be right in the top four. Yeah. Now they're on the outside looking in. So it's... Yeah, what did what did you think of the performance? Both managers are moving on. It seems like after yeah, it looks like uh, Gennaro Gattuso's edging closer and closer to Fiorentina. So that's an exciting project. That's actually a very good move by Comiso to do that. Um, and then Claudio Ranieri's future at Sampdoria is uncertain, and it looks like Cagliari is one of the teams he's being linked with. So it looks like they would like to rebuild with Claudio Ranieri. So. Uh, a very good performance from uh, Napoli, a routine performance. I mean, Fabian Ruiz played fantastic. Oziman, again, another goal, another fantastic performance. Peter Zielinski, Lorenzo Insigne, Politano. That that trident there of Politano, Zielinski, and Insigne is fantastic. When it shows up to play. When it shows up to play. And uh, defense-wise, it was okay. Di Lorenzo, Koulibaly, Manolas, Ospina played fantastic in between the sticks. And then on the other side, just this Sampdoria team is nothing special. There's nobody that really stands out. The only guy to me that stands out is Emil Odero, uh, always a busy goalkeeper. But I guess when you really don't have anybody else on the squad, the goalkeeper shines. So, 
Yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not impressed with Renietti's what he's done with this no, team. No, just I'm kind of disappointed because there is some good pieces here, but he's made this Sampdoria team so drab. Yeah, and so boring. I guess they got mid table, so congratulations. But that's what. What's the point after. of playing? You gotta I know. fight for Europe or something. I know. No, the Europe's way out of sight. Uh, speaking of Europe, let's move on to the next game. <laughs> Lazio trying to squeeze in. Currently in sixth in that Europa Conference League spot. And winning one nothing in the 92nd minute to Hellas Verona. They almost blew this game. And then Milinkovic-Savic comes in and scores. What a joke. <laughs> That's just frustration from a Roma fan. But uh, very, you know what? Lazio played really well here. They deserve to win. Uh, fantastic performance defensively. Marasic, Acerbi, Radu. Milinkovic, Savage, fantastic. Leva, fantastic. But where did Lazio fall apart? Right at the top. Casedo, Fares, and Chido. Yeah, Chido again, missing. This is supposed to be the best Italian forward. He's not of this generation. He's and he not. Is gone missing again. He's not. It is so. I know he hit the post, but it's been so poor from Chido. How how he goes on these hot and cold streaks, it's unbelievable. He can go on 11 games scoring goals and then nothing. You know what, though? Italians know, Jules. This guy is not the greatest striker of our generation. What was it that he won last year? The Golden Boot? Of Europe. Yeah. Of Europe. He won the Golden Boot of Europe and then nobody in Italy bad and I like, ah, whatever. Because they know. We, yeah, uh, yeah the, the, it's out there. He's not what his numbers show. He's not. Yeah, it's it's just it's got to be frustrating even for Simone Inzaghi that you can't rely on your number one striker. You're supposed to with the money you pay him. You're supposed to, but uh, yeah, unfortunate. On the other side, uh, another dud performance by Kevin Lasagna. He's so hot and cold with this team. <laughs> I mean, he's got a couple of goals with Hellas Verona. He's definitely not worth the ten million uh, that uh, Hellas Verona is going to pay for him. But uh, on the other side, Zakani Barak didn't play so great. Didn't play so great. It just it was a poor it was, performance. Yeah, it was a defense first performance. Yeah. Now. Ivan Juric being linked with Napoli. Yeah. What do we think of that? Well, think of what he's done with this Hellas Verona team. This Hellas Verona team is nothing. It's a good, solid team. Nothing flashy. Just a workman-like performance team. So Ivan Juric, at this point in time, I think he does deserve uh, to go on to a bigger team and get his first crack at a high-pressure, high-stakes club like Napoli. So I think it'll be a good move. Can he manage the egos? That's the big question. That is the big question, and there are some big egos yeah. in Napoli. Now, let's move on to the next game. Juve, given the man in the shades of pummeling, 3-1. to one. Uh, Juventus, nothing to really gloat about here. No, uh, Genoa, they just... I thought they would have gave them more of a run, but they Well, were, they there were, was a player that stood out for them, and yes. that's uh, Juve Loni, Mattia Perrin. <laughs> Perrin, yeah, he was outstanding again. And Skamaka. Another, another amazing performance by Perrin. Yeah. Another one. But yeah, Skamaka too, scoring a nice yep. little goal, but missing some big chances too. Oh, yeah. This game was done after the first four minutes. When yeah, Kulusevsky after Kulusevsky scored. scored, it was over. What a way to start. I've always said it. You score, if you concede within the first five minutes, your head's not in the game. Nope. Uh, and Juve was just easy after that. Juve didn't have to bat an eye. No. The only... Uh, the biggest thing, the biggest news in this match was Cristiano Ronaldo throwing the Juve shirt to the ground, saying he was giving it to the ball boy, getting <laughs> annihilated in the media for being yeah. a big crybaby, a big suck. Uh, and this is where I guess we can kind of segue into Luca Toni, who's not a fan of him. Nope. And, and his attitude, saying team comes first. There was, you know, Luca Toni said, I'm a selfish person too. I love scoring goals. If I didn't score, I wouldn't react that way. I'd put my head down and my, my team comes first, right? And uh, this has just opened up more and more debate. Was Ronaldo the right move for Juve? Has signing Ronaldo caused Juve to regress? All these debates have been uh, opened up again. This is Ronaldo, I think, his last year on his contract, yep. if I'm not mistaken. I believe so. so. Um links to PSG are uh, coming coming, and transfer rumors are, are bubbling. So 
there is unrest in the squad. Yeah, for sure. Tactical unrest, unrest in the boardroom because of this big ego that they got to carry and deal with. So it'll be interesting to see how this story. He's really been the downfall of Juventus. He's uh, since he since he came into the squad, he uh, Juve has just regressed. Can't win a Champions League. Yes, they've won Scudettos, but there's been really no team to compete until this year. And uh, he, with his salary and how much he earns, he severely restricts the players you can bring in. So what does that tell you? Cristiano Ronaldo is the downfall of Juventus. They were better without him. They were. And Allegri came out too, and he said... Apparently, that was the biggest thing between Allegri and the board. They were clashing because Allegri said to get rid of Ronaldo, and the board said no. And Sadi, the same thing, if people can remember his press conferences, he was calling for uh, individuals to be out of the team. Who else other than Ronaldo? So the previous two managers were asking for Ronaldo to go. They didn't listen. Management didn't, yeah, management didn't listen. They, they kept him, chose him over the managers. And now it's uh, it's Pirlo's turn. And now Pirlo, his tactical system is suffering because he has to cater to the individual. That's right. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know what? Now. Maybe that's why. It may, be, it may explain why Agnelli went with Pirlo because he didn't really have a choice. Maybe, there were manag- maybe the word's out there on Ronaldo with manager. Why am I going to manage? I don't want to manage this ego. I don't want to go there. I don't want to manage this problem. It's definitely a unique issue to Juve. Yeah, not a lot of teams have this uh, problem. Can well, there is no. one man that can manage Ronaldo. Ancelotti. No. Who? Zinedine Zidane. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He had a workmanlike team. Yeah. Behind Ronaldo. Yeah. And for those of you that think that Sir Alex Ferguson can manage Ronaldo, yes, there's a respect there, but the Ronaldo that is the Ronaldo of today who's very selfish, very arrogant, and tries to be flashy and only cares about his numbers and padding his stats and trying to cement himself as the greatest soccer player ever, which is not true. Um, Sir Alex Ferguson could not manage the Ronaldo of today. Zinedine Zidane is the only one in the world that can manage the Ronaldo of today. He can. For sure. Well, don't cross Zidane. I'm going to give you a big headbutt. <laughs> My headbutt you in the chest, that's right. That big... Had <laughs> the big dome, the big dome, nice dome. Yeah. Um, all right. That being said, let's move on to the next game. Uh, Roma winning one nothing against Bologna. Beautiful counterattacking goal for um, Boria Mayoral. So, for those of you that don't know, let's talk stats right now. Boria Mayoral between Europa League and Serie A has got 14 goals for Roma. Uh, he's got another year left on his loan. Um, in uh, to Roma until his loan is over, and his contract with Real Madrid is actually up at the end of his loan. So Roma got to make a decision here: Are we going to sign this guy, or are we not going to sign this guy? Is he going to be our star striker, or is he going to be a expensive backup? My opinion: I think you got to run with this guy. I think you can get him for a good price. Uh, can he be the number one striker? He's got a lot of upside to him for sure. Uh, he's got a lot of raw potential. Um, but you also need another striker to play with him. You can't just rely on Borja Mayoral. But he is shown in a time where we've been screaming for a number nine because our number nine can't score four <laughs> yards out from an open net in Eden Zeko. So Borja Mayoral has been our unsung hero for Roma. And... He's been playing fantastic this season. It's not about the amount of goals he scores. It's also what he does off the ball. It's also how he pushes the line, how he can get Mkhitaryan up there or Pellegrini up there, how he can play even like a kind of like a false nine, be that uh, attacking mid. He's been fantastic, and I think Roma need to sign this guy. Get this guy, lock him up permanently um, because he's been fantastic. He's the difference. He's the reason you got three points against Bologna, and he's been a reason why you've gotten this far in the Europa League and why you've been able to claim some scalps. So so if you had a chance at Bologna, would you take him or no? No. He doesn't fit the he doesn't fit the model. He doesn't fit the Roma style. I'm not a fan of Andrea Bellotti as a striker. I'm a fan of Andrea Bellotti as a trequartista that will sit behind the striker. Um, who, Bor- would you, who would you like as your backup then? 
I don't know. I mean, there, I know there's a lot of there's a lot of talk in the media right now that the guy, the other striker that we're going after, because Zeko is inevitably on the on the way out after this season, is Vlahovic from Fiorentina, which I wouldn't mind. That's actually not a bad signing. So, if I'm a Roma fan and I see that my two guys up top are Vlahovic and Borja Mayoral, I know it's not going to be instant success, but it's on the path. To success. I would rather invest in Vlahovic, who's got more of an upside than Andrea Balotti. Because Andrea Balotti is going to be an expensive option. And you know what, people? A lot of people don't realize this. Aside from the national team, Andrea Balotti has never played in the Champions League and has never played in the Europa League. He's played in Europa League qualifiers, I think. That's it. Uh, so he's never played consistently against the best defenders, the best midfield in Europe, the best goalkeepers in Europe. He doesn't play that. So why are you going to spend millions upon millions and millions of dollars to bring this guy in that has no real European experience on the European stage? I know Vlahovic doesn't. Borja Mayoral has now shown he's got some in the Europa League this season. So I'd put my money there and I'd invest in other spots where Roma need to revamp. All right. But back to this game quickly. Very good performance defensively from Roma. Other than that, they were very, very quiet. Pedro played a terrible game. Carlos Perez ter- played a terrible game. Um, and Antonio Mirante stood in, played solid. It was great to see him back in between the sticks. On the other side, Bologna, they just couldn't do anything. Skudupski was busy with the counterattacks. Played well, I think. Uh, Sumaro played very good in the center back there for Bologna. But other than that, and Musambaro up top, other than that, there's nothing really to talk about with this Bologna team. Yeah, not much. Roma, surprising, great defensive display. I'll give yeah. them credit for that. They played really good defensively. Yeah. And uh, Mirante, too. Yeah, for a manager, Same. it's not going to be there next year. Already. Because, yeah, we in the talking. news, yeah, the reports in Roma are that uh, Sadi's already been in meetings. So it looks like it is going to be Maurizio Sadi, which is literally just an Italian version of Paolo Fonseca. Yeah, and you can tell he's already have one foot out the door like you said he's yeah going. Paolo Fonseca just doesn't care he's got his his five o'clock shadow he's not doing his hair anymore yeah. but you know what I got to credit the guy's professionalism even though he knows he's most likely not coming back and he probably doesn't want to come back what a way to go let's go win a Europa League trophy and then tell Roman to shove it up their culo you know exactly so exactly. hey you know good for him good for him I, I have the utmost respect for Paolo Fonseca I wish I hope the media is wrong, and I hope Paulo Fonseca comes back. I hope he elects to come back. And for those of you that don't know, if they do qualify for the Champions League via Europa League, it's an automatic renewal next year for Paulo Fonseca, but it's up to him whether he chooses to take it or not. He's probably leading not towards taking it, which is a big shame because we're losing a fantastic coach. But uh, that's enough for Roma. Let's move on to the next game, Atalanta-Fiorentina. What an exciting game. I actually watched this game. This game was that those two goals by who else? Vlahovic. Uh, fantastic. You just Fiorentina couldn't hang on for the draw <laughs> against Atalanta. Um, yeah, penalty. The difference. It was a clear team. penalty too. Yeah, so yeah. what are you gonna do, right? But uh, Atalanta are routine. They are well on their way to Champions League next season, and uh, I don't think anybody's gonna stop them. No, Malinovsky's a pot uh, outstanding. Malinovsky's been outstanding the past month. One of the best players in the city. Yeah. Golini. Yeah, not, it was, it was a poor performance that. from him. Yeah, not great. I mean, concedes two goals. There was 10 shots, but only two on net. And they scored the only two shots they had on net. Vlahovic, fantastic. Yeah. Check out both goals if you haven't seen them. They were fantastic yeah, by fantastic Vlahovic. Goals. And it's not because he's being linked to Roma. They're actually really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're really good. So check them out. Uh, anything to say on Fiorentina's end? It's another Beppe Yakini performance. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's all patterns. It's the same stuff week in, week out with this guy. Nothing changes. Yeah. But Sit back, defense. It'll be an interesting project if Gattuso does come in, if he's the guy. He is apparently the heavy favorite to land the job, and it looks like he's on board with it too. Yeah, it'll, so. be an, it'll be a nice breath of fresh air, I think, for a lot of Fiorentina yeah. fans. Then, the, once Gattuso comes in, this will be a Fiorentina team to watch out for. I agree. They're yeah. going to be tough, hard tackling, good. You know, Gattuso also he likes to play a good offensive game. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. 
He liked to play a good offensive game at Milan. He's playing one on Napoli now. Yeah. So he knows how to get a team scoring goals. Yeah. This team has the pieces. I yeah. just think management, as in Comiso, has brought in the wrong managers. That's right. That's right. So I think Gattuso, I think he's actually got it right this yeah. time, Comiso. And I'm excited next year to see that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Atalanta with those three points there. Now the last game was a bit of a snooze fest on the Monday. Sassuolo beating Benevento one nothing. I can't even say I watched it. Nothing. I didn't surprising. even see the highlights. Uh, no, but I didn't. apparently it was a Benevento performance, and it was a Barba own goal that ultimately gave Sassuolo the game. So that's it. Not much to talk not about much. there. But that sums up uh, match day thirty for you. Uh, let's take a look here at the standings of the city. Uh, so Inter sitting high, sitting pretty, uh, with 74 points with eight games to go. In second place, 11 points behind, is Milan with 63 points. Uh, third place, 62 points, Juventus. Fourth place, 61 points, Atalanta. Just on the outside looking in, in fifth place is Napoli, two points out of a Champions League spot. And four points behind Napoli in the Europa Conference League spot is Lazio. And uh, seventh place, Roma, one point behind Lazio. That, hey, that Lazio-Roma game, if Roma, doesn't go, if Roma doesn't win the Europa League, could mean European football for them. That's a huge game on the line at the end of the season. And then let's look at the bottom of the table. Torino, with that huge win, still have a game in hand, sitting in 17th place with 27 points. Cagliari, now five points behind, having played one more game more than Torino, with 22 points in that relegation battle. And then you got Parma, 20 points, seven points behind Torino, and Crotone is done at 20th with 15 points. So it looks like Cagliari, Parma, and Crotone are all but, well, Crotone for sure, but the other two all but assured Serie B status for next season. Now, let's move on to the Champions League. So, the two, let's talk about the the Champions League. Semis are set. What do you guys say about it? What do you think? This had to be the most boring Champions League quarterfinals in Champions League history. Yeah. I think. Yeah. It was... This is just my personal opinion. I think the football was atrocious. Yeah. I think the only exciting game was the first leg in PSG Bayern Munich. That was it. Uh, yeah. That was uh, that was a decent game. I mean, Man City, Dortmund had some moments, but it wasn't great. Full 90 minutes was not great. It wasn't exciting. Uh, Ajax have scored. <laughs> Liverpool, Real Madrid. Was what it was, 0 0. I don't remember the last time seeing a 0 0 game in a Champions League uh, second leg. But Liverpool doing what they, I mean, Real Madrid doing what they had to do. Bayern Munich, Petty, Saint Germain, the second game was eh. Put me to bed. Yeah. It just, uh, and Porto beating Chelsea in the second leg. It just wasn't, the quality wasn't good between all the games. It was just, uh, it was, it was poor. And, uh, Paul Lopez sucks, everybody. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully the quality of Champions League improves in the semifinals. Yeah, hopefully it does, and uh, I'm sure it will. But it, you made an interesting comment about PSG Man City. On the way to work today. On the way to work today. You want to say it or you want me to you say it? You go. You said it. So pretty much what I said was, how ironic is it that Man City, PSG, two clubs with – a small fan base. They have a fan base within their respective cities. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, it was non-existent before the the multi, you know, the nas- oil nationally money. fun oil money came in and bought these guys. So how ironic and how fitting is it that these guys finally get to meet in the Champions League semifinal. On their way to the Champions League final. On the, on the way to the Champions League final in a big, empty old stadium. <laughs> and imagine if, it was more, imagine if they were in the final, both of them, one of them gets to lift the trophy and it's in an empty stadium. Yeah. How ironic it's would that fitting. be? fitting. You know, so... Yeah. We'll see what happens. PSG, Man City, and then... Madrid, Chelsea. Yeah. Well, I still think Chelsea's going to win. Yeah, our dark horse is still in there. Chelsea. I mean, 
storylines, yeah, nothing great. There was a great goal by uh, Porto's striker. He was subbed on because he was suspended for the first leg. Yep. Uh, he scored a beautiful, beautiful bicycle kick. Tedemi. Do you think we see an all-English final here? PSG Man City is going to be interesting. I think I think we'll see an all-English final, yeah. Man yeah. City Chelsea. Yeah, I think so. Does that make the Premier League the best league in the world? From top to bottom, I would say no. I don't mm-hmm. think it is. I think they have probably in their top they probably got the best top 10 out of any league in the probably. world. But their teams in the bottom of the table are not impressive at all. Yeah. I mean, uh, like the Crystal Palaces, Brighton, Sheffield, Newcastle, Burnley, those teams, they're not impressive. I think uh, teams in City, uh, for instance, I think Bundesliga's teams, even La Liga, Liga, and they could compete with those teams at the bottom. For sure. But their top 10 is good. That's undeniable. I mean, Liverpool isn't even in the top four. You have West Ham in the top four this year. There's some good quality up there. It'd be interesting. I think City, uh, is legit good, but then we get to the European stage and they all they all choke. They all do. And the English teams, they don't. It's I true. Mean, look at Arsenal. Arsenal's been terrible in the Premier League and they're still, still in it. Well, still got one Italian team hanging on by a thread. One. Yeah. With uh, 40 minutes to go. <laughs> yeah, it's weird It's weird because you can't use Champions League anyway for, uh, as, a, as a measuring stick because a lot of it comes down to luck. It's true. And moments. Seasons define who the best teams are. In knockout competitions, one minute of bad luck, a goalkeeper making a terrible decision. He's that, talking about Paolo. That could be the difference between your team getting through the next round or not, right? Yeah. So it's hard to say UEFA Champions League and UEFA Europa League are a measuring stick for how good a, a league is. When we're in the now that we're discussing Champions League, let's discuss let's change it up a little bit. We're gonna stay on this topic of Champions League, but we're gonna discuss the CONCACAF Champions League, everyone. We're gonna take it a little bit uh, we're gonna take it to this side of the pond. Um Toronto FC shocking the world and beating Club de Leon in the round of sixteen. That's a huge victory for Toronto FC. Some big goals there in the first half. And it was a workhorse-like performance. I watched the game. And I have to say, I have to give respect to Armas. He put on, uh, he organized his team. It looks like this Toronto FC is going to be a bunch of workhorses. So from what you've seen, what do the tactics look like? Team play? I can't compare them to Inter Milan right now. I'm not saying they're the Inter Milan of the MLS. I'm just saying they're a team. They're not. They're not a team that's feared and that's already. Oh, we're gonna play them. We're gonna lose. They just. They just put their head down and go to work. That's what it looks like. They put their head down and go to work. They're not flashy by any means. Not flashy. They play a good counter-attacking game, and they utilize that against Club de Leon. And uh, that's what I think. That's the kind of Toronto FC I think we're going to see this year. A team that will sit back, absorb the pressure, and counterattack. And they might go on a run. And just as I said that, Ajax is now up 2 nothing on Roma. Uh, yeah. Oh, boy. I'm sorry, Roma. Roma's on the way out. <laughs> yeah. Roma is on the way out. No surprise there. But anyways, back to this, back to Toronto FC. Um, they got credit to them. I, I mean, I doubted them. I gave them all the flack in the world, and, and they proved me wrong. So congratulations to Huge Scalp. You guys claim nobody expected you to to beat Club de Leon and, uh, and, and steal that round of 16. But now your work is cut out for you yet again. Now we're meeting another Mexican team, Cruz Azul. Uh, in the quarterfinals, and uh, it's going to be a tough matchup. I mean, Cruz Azul, they tied Arkehai from Haiti in the first leg, and then they beat them 8-0 last (laughs) night. (laughs) So, uh, Oh, goal review. Goal review. Foul. I don't know. Foul. There's a foul before. We don't know what these English refs. There's a foul before the goal. Roma might have a lifeline, everybody. Hold on. 
I gotta see this. <laughs> Why is he taking forever? And foul. Wow. Is it a foul? It is. No goal. No goal. There's life still. <laughs> We're hanging on by a threat, guys. Oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, oh. TFC now, like you said, the facing Cruz Azul, a team that's only lost two games yeah. in the Liga Max. This team is thirty six points. First place in Mexico. Yeah. This is gonna they got their work cut out for them. But hey, if they can soak in the pressure, play a counterattacking game, you never know. Over two legs, right? Definitely. My has my attitude changed on them. <laughs> Still don't forgive them for. I still don't uh, understand why they don't play Jaden Nelson, but it's okay. <laughs> so we'll see. It's predominantly Liga MX and Major League Soccer into the quarterfinals, and uh, we'll see what happens. But Canada, uh, Canada's got one team in the round of eight, in the round of eight, the quarterfinals for the Champions League, and that is Toronto FC. Everybody. So good luck to them, and and I'm sure we'll be previewing those games as they come up. A little Canadian flavor for everybody. This weekend's opening weekend for Major League Soccer. Toronto FC are playing the newly rebranded Club de Foot Montreal in arguably the fiercest derby in Canadian soccer. Some great, fantastic games that uh, these two have put on together. So what do you like here, Giuliano? What do I like here? Yeah, what do you like here? That TFC has beaten them their last four away matches yeah, to Montreal. So I think Toronto is going to continue it. Yeah, I think so. I think Especially rolling on, running on a high. Yeah. The only thing I don't like are the doubts. Uh, Altador, Mavinga, Pozuelo, doubtful for the yeah. game. So some big misses some there. Some big pieces missing. And Justin Morrow was out. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see if T- a TFC can cope with that in this opening fixture. I think they still should be able to. Uh, Montreal will be interesting to see if this re-imaging of their team, if it you know if it does anything, changes the mentality maybe. Yeah. Little things like this can make a difference. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. And then for our other Canadian team, Vancouver Whitecaps, they are playing Portland. And I don't think have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> I think Portland's got too much for them, to be honest with you. Yeah. But we'll get our insider Nick Cottis on it. <laughs> Nick Cottis are, is our MLS specialist. The guy worships the ground that Major League Soccer plays. <laughs> so, shout out to Nick there. Um, so, that being said, let's move on to... You want to move on to La Serie A let's for match Serie day 31? We start off with, in round 31, Crotoni Udine. So, not the most exciting fixture to open up the weekend with. But, what do we think? I I mean, should be straightforward Udine. Should be straightforward. Should be. I don't. I don't see anything other than uh, Udinese victory here. So, put me down for Udinese in that game. What about you? Yeah, I think Udinese as well. I I can't see. I even with Crotone's good offense and there's just too much at the back missing, and Udinese is going to capitalize and, and get their goals. Yeah. All right, so we're both trying to take Udinese to, take the, to win this game against Crotone. Next game, Sampdoria-Verona. Another game. Not going to be exciting. Nope. Both at the same time. You could probably miss both games. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just enjoy the weather outside if you can. Yeah, it's not, it's not going to be an listening. exciting game. It's going to be a defensive game. It's going to come off a set piece, probably the goal. It's going to be a snooze fest. I'm going to lead to Hellas verona should win this game based on the quality of the teams, but you never know what these types of matches. No, I'm going to say tie. Yeah. It's going to be a 0-0 snooze fest. So let's move on to the next game. Sassuolo Fiorentina. How do you see this game, Giuliano? I mean, Fiorentina are hot right now. Vlahovic scoring goals. Sassuolo getting by on their games, doing enough just to win. I think it continues for the Zerbi and Sassuolo. Ikini does not impress me whatsoever as a no. manager. No. I'm going to stick with the Sassuolo uh, victory here. Yeah, I agree. And Zerbi also coming out in the media saying he prefer to coach abroad. Yes, I saw that. So it doesn't look like he's going to go to another Serie A team. Could it be 
Another be a big... sh- it would be a shame for Serie A to lose him. Yeah, I know. Well, it's okay. He wants to go abroad. Let him learn. Yeah. Uh, so we're both telling it takes us solo to win this game. Next game, Cagliari Parma. Should be an appetizing game because they have somewhat slim hopes of. Uh, I mean, whoever wins this gives themselves a chance. A chance. If you lose and this, you're done. He loses. Yeah, you're really it's over. done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Cranio again looks like he's gonna miss this game possibly with coronavirus. Uh, Sotil's out, so two big players missing there. Yeah. Parma are gonna be without their goal scorer. In the Milan game, Galliolio, yellow card suspension. Besides that, no other major misses. I mean, that have been playing well for them anyway. So it's going to be your typical Parma side. But I am going to stick. I think Cagliari have the better players. And I th- and I think you're going to see a Cagliari goal. I mean, Cagliari win. I beg to differ. I think arguably Parma are playing much more attractive football. I think it's going to be the Graziano Pelle show. And I think Parma are going to win this game. And Cagliari's hopes of Serie A status for next year are going to go down to absolute zero. <laughs> so Giuliano's telling you to take Cagliari. I'm telling you to take Parma. Next game, the man in the shades pays a visit to Milan. The man in the vest. <laughs> Stefano Pioli. What do you think happens here? Well, I can only see a Milan victory here. I don't think Genoa is going to do anything in this game. They've yeah. cemented their status. Their season's done. Yeah, especially with the way Genoa showed up in the Juve game. Which yeah, was so flat-footed. Yeah, their season's over. These guys already have one foot on the beach. I think, yeah, Milan, they're fighting to stay in Europe because it is it is tight. I mean, it is. Napoli's only four points behind. So so one loss could realistically put you back, bump you into the Europa League. Exactly. So they got stuff to play for. Genoa don't. I think Milan, for that reason, win the game. Yeah. I'm with you. Next game, Bologna and La Spezia. Spezia coming off a 3-2 victory. Bologna would feel like they should have earned more in that one nothing defeat to Roma. Bologna, to me, they, they're not playing attractive football at all, whereas Spezia on their side, Spezia is playing hard-nosed, not afraid to attack football. So I'm going to say Spezia is going to win this game. Yeah, you took my pick, too. I think Spezia. I think they're the better-looking team out of the two. I think uh, yeah, players like Tomiyasu, him missing, it's it's a big piece missing in their defense. Uh, Skovolson as well looks like he'll be out. So Bologna doesn't seem to be able to cope when they're missing players in the starting 11. Spezia, they can miss guys and still do. Italiano, he just slots guys in and they do and they do a job. So Spezia, I think, are the better adoptable team and they get the victory here. All right. Next game. Lazio Benevento. What do we think is going to happen here? I think straight Lazio win. Yeah. Just as simple as that. Benevento is another team. I mean, they're close to relegation. But they shouldn't get there. They shouldn't get there. The gap is pretty big now. Yeah. Yeah. I think Lazio, they still have the belief of Champions League, which they should. Yeah. And Chiro is going to break the duck in this game. I don't know if Chiro is going to break the duck, but I still think Lazio are going to win this game. They should have too much quality for Benevento. So we're both trying to take Lazio. Now let's move on to a very appetizing game here. Atalanta Juventus. What a game this is going to be, eh? Yes. This Whoever is... loses could be on the outside looking in, right? Yeah, especially with uh, with the Napoli breathing down your neck. With another big fixture, exactly. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, if Napoli get a result against Inter and one of these teams lose, yeah, the table could change dramatically. But Atalanta Juve will be interesting the last time they played. Uh, it was a draw, I believe. I think so. If I'm not mistaken, a 1-1 draw. I don't expect a draw here. No. I th- I expect Atalanta to go out and attack. Juve, it's going to be interesting to see how they come out and approach this game. It'll be interesting to see if Dybala gets minutes because he did play uh, decent in the match uh, after his little suspension there for partying. The tactics... With all this stuff going on with Ronaldo, it'll be interesting to see how Pirlo sets up the team against Atalanta's press. 
Both teams are relatively healthy. One big mess, though, for Atalanta, which is huge, is Cristiano. Sorry, Cristiano. Christian Romero is out due to yellow card suspension. So they're probably missing their biggest defender. Will Atalanta have the pieces to beat Juve? The biggest question is the midfield battle. Yeah. Well, who wins the midfield battle between Atalanta and Juve? Right now on form, Atalanta. In my opinion. Atalanta, quality-wise, attacking, midfield, defense. The only question is goalkeeper. But Atalanta beats Juve in, all, in three of the four categories for me. Yeah, it would be... I think for me, the biggest battle is going to be Malinovsky on the right wing versus... Uh, I'm going to assume probably Danilo is going to be there or Alexandro. They're going to have their hands full. Chiesa, if he starts on the left wing side too, that will be an interesting battle to see how they can deal with him. Uh, what that does though as well is Juve is going to have the overload on the wings. How you know? How does Atalanta's back three, do the back three open up to deal with the wing backs? Will Ronaldo be able to isolate the center backs? and get his one-on-one battles against Dijmisti or Palomino, that's going to be the keys. If if Juve can exploit Atalanta's weakness, which is on the wing-back positions, they have a chance. But at the same time, if Atalanta can exploit Juve's big weakness in the midfield, especially with only playing two two midfielders, if they can drop Muriel deep, I think Piscina's out, which is a huge miss. But if they can drop uh, Pasalic deep, collect the ball from midfield, and run at the Juve defense... I think Juve will be in a lot of trouble. So it's going to come down to the small, fine details. If the game's played on the wings, Juve wins. If it's played on the in the middle of the park, I think Atalanta wins. You might as well flip a coin to see who wins this game. I just don't think it will be a tie. But okay. I can't choose a winner of the two. So Giuliano can't choose a winner. To me, I think Atalanta are just the better team. And I think Atalanta could win on the wings and in the middle of the park. So for me... Book Juve. Or no, whoa, whoa. Book Atalanta. <laughs> Book Atalanta. Sorry. Atalanta's going to win this game, hands down. So let's move on to the next game before we get into the biggest game of the of the match day. Torino and Roma will be playing each other. So Torino fighting for dear life and Roma fighting to somehow get into Europe. It's eh. still there. Yeah, I know. Still a chance. There's still a chance to get there, So, but they have to keep winning. And well, this is where Roma has to make it up because once again, if Napoli lose, if Atalanta or Juve lose, there's ground to be made up. That's uh, true. And if Lazio somehow lose, with it's, the game in hand, Lazio still as well. I know that's the problem, and it's against Torino. <laughs> so, there, so there's a chance. But what do you think happens in this match? Uh, it all depends on how this game in the Europa League turns out. I mean, Roma's hanging on by a thread right now. Can Roma get through to the semifinals of the Europa League and then claim a scalp off Torino? I don't know. I don't know. But my heart, I'm going to go with my heart. My heart's gotten me wrong a lot of the time this season. But I'm going to say Roma are going to beat Torino. They should have too much quality. And Roma just scored. Edin Zeko has just sent a signal from four yards out. Edin Zeko has just sent a signal with 20 minutes left. Roma have tied the game, and Ajax need to score two goals to go through. Roma are one foot in the door of the semifinals of the Europa League. That being said, they're going to smash Torino 3-0. Roma, book it. What do you think? I think I think Roma. <laughs> From Calafiori, too. Oh, beautiful goal. I think Roma will have enough to beat Torino. Torino... They'll be on a high now, bro. Oh, they will be on a high. Torino, they're... I don't know. They don't impress you. If Sirigu goes back in net, I know he played a decent game. I know. In his last you got to go with Vanya. He's been playing have, well. Exactly. You have to go with Vanya. I don't think Nicola does that, though. I think he's too loyal to certain veterans they're, in the they're team. S- they're too loyal to Sirigu, and I don't know why. Statistically, the yeah. worst goalie in Europe in this year. Yeah. The thing is, will Roma be able to deal with the Bolotti special? And will they be able to shut him down when he picks up the ball? See, that's the problem. I don't think a guy like Gianluca Mancini has a can can have a cool head against the, the velocity special. The discipline. That's the thing, Mister Walking Yellow Card. I'm gonna start calling pick Roma though. I'm gonna start calling him Mister Walking Tall. That's all. He always gets a yellow card. Anyways, let's move on to the last game: Napoli, Inter, Madonna Mia. What a game! Another another big fixture. 
This uh, ain't going to be no walk in the park for Inter. This is going to be a test for them. Yeah, this is going to be a huge test, especially with the way they've been playing. Like we said, they haven't had to come out of first, first gear. gear. Yeah. They haven't played the most difficult teams of recent. But now they got a difficult fixture list now the rest they do. of the way. Now they do. They have Napoli, Juve, just to name a few. Roma. Roma. So they got three big games in the last eight. They just yeah. got to – can't lose four of them. No. Okay? You can't lose four. Could this be one of the four they lose? It could be. And it wouldn't be the end of the world. No, it wouldn't just puts be. more pressure on the other games, right? Yeah. This game – at the end of the day, is going to come down to how does the Juve back three shut down Ozyman, the Vrij versus Ozyman, Skriniar Did you call the Juve back three? Huh? Did you say the Juve back three? Did I? I think you did. Why is Juve always on our mind? Yeah, on your mind, never on my mind, bro. I don't know what you're talking know, about. Maybe I got something They're going garbage. on. Garbage. got another virus in my brain. <laughs> but the inter back three... If they can handle the, the trident of Ozyman, if Mertens plays as attacking midfielder, Zelensky, Insigne on the left, Skinner, I think Skinner has that, that yeah. battle locked. Uh, the other battle will be, I think, Lozano or Politano versus Bastoni. There's there's a weakness that can be exploited. Yeah. I think in the midfield, Fabian Ruiz, he's the, the talisman in the midfield for Napoli. He's the guy that gets on the ball, spreads the ball around. I mean, Inter has their guys, Brozovic, Eriksson, Senzi. If he goes with that midfield easily, Inter wins the midfield battle, depending on who he picks. Now, the other big matchup is Napoli's center-back pairings. They're weak. Koulibaly's been weak all season. Manolas weak. I think Lataro and Lukaku are way too good for them, and I think they exploit the two of them. 2v2 battle, easy win. And... uh I think as well, a big part of Napoli's attack is how they get their wingbacks up the field. Haisaj, Di Lorenzo. I think Hakimi, if he starts, Darmian, it doesn't matter. I think they will pin those guys back. It's going to isolate Napoli's front line. It's just going to come down to, does the Inter defense, are they good enough on the one-on-one battles on the day? Which, if they are, which they have been on form, they should shut them right down. Napoli shouldn't even really get a chance, I believe. And and I think Lukaku and Lataro will exploit the Napoli defense. I think that's what happens. I think Napoli's going to get pinned back so much. Their forwards really don't track back that much. And it's going to leave a lot of space for Inter to attack and, and get a goal. And I'm picking an Inter win. Lukaku header from a Kimi cross. Well, as a Roma fan, I hope Inter win. So I'm going to take <laughs> Inter win. So that way we can make the top four race a little more exciting. So book me in for an Inter win here. So I like that. That sums up match day thirty-one. That sums up today's podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening, uh, and hope you enjoyed this edition of Tifosi Football Radio. We will be back right after match day thirty-one to recap match day thirty-one. We're also going to talk about the Europa League because we feel the Europa League deserves to get its time on Tifosi Football Radio, especially if things stay the way they do. Uh, But because the games are still playing, we can't really talk about it. It wouldn't be fair. There's still 50 minutes to go in every single game. So we'll talk about Europa League in the next edition of the podcast. Why, do you have scores? I have scores. Okay, but cool. like you said, there's, so there's 12 minutes left. Manu are winning 1-0 against Granada. So Manu are in the semifinals. It looks like it's going to be Roma Man United, everybody. This is the Dermot Christian Derby. Shout out to Dermot Koval, my main man for Man United. Arsenal are up against Slavia Prague. That ties done. Arsenal are going to go through. Okay. And Villarreal are up 2-1 against Dinamo Zagreb, 3-1 on aggregate. So It looks like it's done. And how fitting is that? Unai Emery, former Arsenal coach, is now going to go back and play Arsenal. Yeah. Isn't that something? That is something. That's a good little storyline there. Do you guys remember who... Does everybody remember who I picked in the final of Europa League? My teams are still in there. Roma Arsenal. Final. Book it. Sorry, Dermot. Not giving Man U a win over Roma. But anyways, let's wrap this up. Thank you so much for listening on this edition of Tifosi Football Radio. Uh, please subscribe uh, if you haven't yet, if you enjoy 
our breakdown of the Serie A and Canadian soccer and the UEFA, all the UEFA competitions, including the Champions League, Europa League, and upcoming Euro, which we will be around for. It has been confirmed. We will be breaking down the Euro tournament for you. We're not sure how the format's going to go for us yet, but you'll probably hear from us after every match day. So match day one, we'll wait for all the games to finish to do it. Then match day two, match day three, then round of 16, quarterfinal, semifinal, final. But we will be there, and we'll have a lot of special guests from another all the other countries in the Euro. We can't wait to do that. We can't wait to have a nice big round table to break it down for you. But enough of my rambling. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Like us on, uh, like us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. Send us an email: thefozyfootballradio at gmail.com. And until next time, ciao ragazzi, ciao, and forza Roma. <laughs>